You're listening to Music Tectonics. Welcome back to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and tech. I'm your host, Dimitri Vitsa. I'm also the CEO and founder of Rock, Paper, Scissors, a PR firm that specializes in music and technology. And I'm the event director for the Music Tectonics Conference, which, as you probably know if you're a regular listener, is going online this year, October 27th and 28th. 2020. Uh, we were in LA last year for a great conference with over 400 people. We're expecting at least that many people when we move online because there's interest from all over the place. You don't have to fly to LA or get a hotel or cross town if you already live in LA. Um, so there's great interest this year. And we're bringing you more topics, the kind of things that we um, talk about at the conference and starting to give you more of a window into what we're going to be doing at the conference. Um, and before I get to our guest, we're looking at some topics ranging from the social video explosion to music and esports and video gaming. Um, we're doing our first session on mixed reality, which may seem uh, behind the times, but in reality, it seems like this is getting a burst with the, the pandemic. We're doing a session on innovations in sync, uh, marketing music, and today's guest is helping us out with a session on new revenue streams for the music industry. I've got with me a return guest because he's been to Music Tectonics before, Dan Macta, the Managing Director of Cobuzz USA. Dan, how are you doing? Good, good. How's it going, Dimitri? It's going great. We're getting into the fall and real nice weather. And it seems like people, in spite of all the remote work and social distancing, they're getting back to business, which is which is cool to see. Yeah, yeah. It's busy. It's busy. Seems like there's a lot of music being released and a lot of really uh, great music being released right now. So that's I don't know if it's a silver lining or what you would want to call it, but at least, you know, it's good. Yeah, yeah. No, people are people have been, you know, artists, creators, performers, recorders, songwriters. People have been very active and that's so cool. One of the reasons I love having you on the podcast, Dan, is you've got such a long history in the music industry, starting as VP of marketing in, in well, not starting, but you had a significant amount of time as VP of marketing at Jive Records, then having a similar role at RCA and a similar role at 11.7 Label Group. Um, and, you, and, and you went on and to Razor and Tie, and now Managing Director for the, the U.S. Uh, Cobuzz. Cobuzz, if uh, folks did not catch your last episode or somehow have missed you at all these music industry conferences and um, just out in the marketplace, is a really interesting streaming service in that you guys are really um, out there for deep music fans, audiophiles, more eclectic listening, and lots of kind of great options for high-quality sound. Did I describe it right? Is, do, you, do you say something different these days? <laughs> Yeah, actually, I've been calling it a revolutionary new automated cow milking machine. Am I on the right podcast? Oh, wait, whoops! <laughs> no, it's uh, you, 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 you got it. It's um, it's it's definitely all those things and more. I mean, I'm sure everybody listening uh, knows what a streaming service is, and everybody knows what a music download service is, uh, but. Um, what we do is really aimed at, I guess you would say, the top of the market and people who really care about the music, the audio quality, sort of the context and the presentation and and just the whole ethos around it. And um, that's our that's our lane. And in that, it's it's pretty unique. There's other services that offer you know this piece or that piece of what we do, but 
as a as a whole package, Koba is I like to think is is pretty unique, and we've really got our uh, you know our kind of people are out there who just really you know they know it when they see it. This is more like the old record store experience, and really uh, a strong you know personal touch. What's well, funny that you mentioned the, um, the 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 cow milking thing because one of the things I really want to get into with you um, and kick this off with is. I mean, you guys offer high-res audio in a way that others don't. I mean, there's others in the market that do it, but I mean, you guys have been doing it from the beginning and you do have that high-end audiophile market. But the interesting thing there is to talk about the revenue potential for the music industry, for artists, for labels in high-res. Sure, you have to go the extra mile of delivering that high-res audio. Um, But, you know, and, and there's been quite a few attempts to try to capture this market but things have changed a lot over the last year. I'm certainly in the last six months. I'm curious, how big is the market for high-res audio? Um, and how does that compare to the overall streaming market? Well, you know, this is how I look at it. If you walk into an electronics store, Best Buy or whatever, and you're looking at the receivers and the hardware uh, on the shelf, you see every, every major manufacturer puts out hardware that has got the little gold and black high-res audio logo on it. All of the hardware is compatible and built and designed to be able to handle uh, digital audio at these higher bit depths. That's what mm-hmm. what, what defines high-res is it's 24-bit versus you know 16-bit CD quality or you know compressed, which is everything else. This is um, you know it's an industry standard, except for the fact that the content is not offered in, in uh, you know, really by any of the mainstream services with the exception of the, the richest man in the world uh, in, hmm. up in Seattle. Um, they have a, 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 what they call an HD service that does deliver 24-bit, but it's uh, kind of uh, funny because most people don't realize that the hardware they already carry, they already have, is compatible with a service like Cobuds and with high res audio and why wouldn't people want to have the best available? Uh, if you know, it's not like money's no object, but what we charge is, uh, uh, $15 a month, uh, for essentially the same size of catalog and the same library that you've got on mainstream services, but it's all available in, in lossless CD quality or high res. And just to take it back to the added value and, and revenue potential, if you're making music today, you uh, you are recording it in a 24-bit environment. You know, every digital audio workstation and, and system that is being used to record, for the most part, some people don't even know there's a switch, 16-bit, 24-bit. You know, professional recording is done in 24-bit audio and Recording engineers know that when they do that, it gives them more headroom and there's more, uh, uh, you know, it's just e- easier to, to get all the music recorded in a way that is uh, is true to what, what's happening in the studio. Mm-hmm. And because it's recorded in 24-bit today, there's really no reason that you wouldn't also master in 24-bit. So this is where there might be a little bit more cost, uh, uh, but why not master the best possible quality 
and then dumb it down from there if you need 16-bit or you need a compressed format. Mm -hmm. So the added cost, uh, if you're talking about a new new recording that's happening now, you know, should really be very minimal mm -hmm. um, to master in a 24-bit format. And then it's just the, really the same, same delivery costs and uh, there's no uh additional marketing campaign it's just a different format that you're releasing of the same album but like i said before uh high-res streaming is more expensive than uh than the mainstream services like i said in the case of koba is 15 dollars a month what that means is if your music is in this uh this service with a, a pool that is proportionally larger by user you know what you hear about with with streaming is that the arpu the average revenue per user is going down, going down all the time as streaming streaming gets cheaper and, and uh, all the discounting. You know, high-res audio is kind of saying, well, what if it isn't a race to being, you know, free? There's something that costs a little bit more that is uh, something that the listener is going to value. Uh, you know, that that's where we come in. Uh, and, you know, like I said, other other services, there are a few that do bits and pieces of what we do. But if you don't have a 24-bit master of your recording, uh, you're leaving something on the table. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Dan, like right as you're saying that, regardless of whether somebody wants to go for, um, uh, you know, the difference in distributing, mastering and then distributing in high res and then and, and, and thinking about maybe making some more a higher profit margin as a result of that from the ARPU. Just the idea that there that that you have a strong case for tiered pricing in itself, even if even if somebody's not necessarily getting a lot of streaming revenue from the higher tier, the fact that their stuff is available, that you're building a market for another tier is such a helpful thing for the music industry, right? Like to instead it's, it's pushing against this idea of, of, of the race to zero, as you said. Um, but it gives customers as they mature, as they get some more money, make some more uh, purchases, decide they want to lean into their listening or whatever, they have an opportunity to go up instead of down, which in itself, just the fact that you exist to do that is, uh, is a super compelling case. Yeah, there, there's somewhere to go. Um, right. Oh. And, <laughs> right, exactly. Well, the, the other part of it is, as I mentioned, Cobas is also, we've got a download store and mm. we sell lossless and we sell high res. And again, it's, you know, it's tiered pricing, a high res download is priced higher than a than a, a standard quality download, and in the high end of the audio market, downloads have not cratered the way they have in the mainstream market. Our mm. down our download business actually this year is double what it was last year. Oh wow! Uh, I just think you know, and again, yeah, worldwide or U.S. Uh, that's in the U.S. Okay. So I mean, we opened in February of last year, so it's kind of like a quarter on quarter. We're we're trending double. I mean, we've been growing. We're aggressive. Yeah. So mm -hmm. double is not good enough. If any of my team is listening, um, <laughs> don't stop. <laughs> yeah, keep keep going. But you know the the market for uh, you know a la carte downloads is still strong in the audiophile world, and there's a handful of sites that sell them. And Cobuzz has the distinction of of being the only service that has true, you know, certified high res streaming and paid downloads. So again, that's a little bit of what makes us different. Is we're you know, we're really uh, working with both formats really aggressively and 
uh, it's only to the benefit of artists and labels that are releasing stuff in this format. Uh, everybody, everybody does a little bit better and the audience, the listener and the fan is, you know, treated with a lot of, uh, you know, they feel very respected when they're able to, right. to purchase music in these higher, higher quality formats or even access it by streaming. It's, um, it was, you know, even just a couple of years ago, really a, a very, very limited audience that would have access to, to uh, recordings in this quality. And, and now it's really with, within everybody's reach. So, yeah, hmm. it's kind of it's kind of cool if you think about it. And that, too, I mean, like, the, you know, the, 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 the services with, you know, millions and millions and millions of subscribers don't really have an option to buy from the artist in a way. Right. And that's sort of that you know, that, that kind of duel in the marketplace you see in terms of uh, super artist-friendly fans who are using Bandcamp um, versus the all-you-can-eat model of a Spotify where well, once you're on Spotify, you don't go, there's not much else to do in terms of sending money towards the creators and rights holders and things. So that that's awesome. You can listen to podcasts. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for listening to these podcasts, by the way. <laughs> The uh, the guys in uh, the guys in Cupertino uh, have got a download store, but everyone here, you know, the rumor has been for years that uh, that it's going away. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, uh, the one I'm talking about, the guys who who started it all off, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and a lot of the download business, you know, in in the U.S. and I imagine the rest of the world is still tied to people who just got into using you know, the download store that came with their phone and they just creatures of habit still doing it. Um, But this other part of the download business with the, you know, and those are lossy. That's, you know, uh, it's, it's better than MP3, but it's still lossy when you buy from, from iTunes and Mm -hmm. Cobas and some of the other guys in our class of download stores are selling lossless CD quality or, or these high res 24 bit files. And, Mm -hmm. uh, that's growing. That's growing. More Dan, more yeah, Dan, let me ask you, I, I don't know if you're at liberty to say, but what kind of profit margin is there on those on those um, high res downloads? Well, it's the same. The The, the deal structure is, is the same as any download. So, you know, for a, um, you know, generally speaking, uh, uh, you know, and it's like the same in streaming. Once you've paid the the label and the publishers and performing rights and whatever must you know might be left for a service like us, our our gross margin is like twenty nine percent, right? Seventy seventy one percent of every dollar that comes in on a download or on a uh, uh, stream goes right back to the to the rights holders. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but since the high res is a higher gross number, yeah, everything's everything is is a little bit more expensive uh, than than there is, uh, you know, there's there's more re- revenue for, for everybody. And the other piece of it is that these are those, you know, super fans who are willing to invest, mm-hmm. um, you know, our service and our audience is not not a passive listener. Uh, so it's a, another way that artists, especially in genres that are not top 40, uh, are able to, you know, get the, get the most, um, you know, offer the most to, to their super fans, you know, the, the 
people, especially in jazz and classical and some of these genres, uh, they still want to own files. They still, mm -hmm. you know, understand that by buying an album, even if it's a digital album, they're supporting the ecosystem more than just streaming it. Right. Um, so there's a lot of people who do both. They use this high quality streaming, which would still blow, you know, an average person, you know, blow them away with the audio quality. But to them, that's just sampling. That's discovery. Hmm. And then once you really find something you like and you want to support, you purchase the album, uh, which, hey, I'm all for that. I, I so, so how much... How I'm sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say if people want to want to buy the album, again, we're we're here to support that. And our, our download store right. is is growing, going the opposite direction of, of the industry. Right. How much how much is it to download high res audio? Well, it, it depends. You know, the the prices, like anything else, are essentially set by the labels, but but they can be pricey, you know, whereas a regular, you know, MP3 album from iTunes or Amazon is usually ten or twelve bucks. Uh, a high res album is usually twice that, you know, 20 to 30, oh, there you go. 20 to $30. Um, you know, at Koba's specifically, we recognize that there are some like super consumers who are buying thousands and thousands of dollars worth of uh, high res albums. And we do have a, a plan for, for those users called, you know, in very French uh, sublime, and, uh, and those uh, users get the full unlimited high-res streaming, but then we also give a big discount on high-res purchases. So it's a, like a pay one price, I think $300 a year, but then there's, you know, ongoing discount. And so, you know, we do have customers who are buying, you know, tens of thousands of dollars worth of high-res albums, uh, which we love and which the, the artists and, and, and labels also love. But, um, you know, I think we recognize that the, you know, the biggest, biggest consumers should, uh, should get some special recognition and special consideration. We want to keep them, keep them coming back for more. So, so you mentioned jazz and classical. Are there, are, are, are those the types of genres that attract more listeners who want high res audio or are there other genres? Yeah. Well, I mean, those are two of the big, big ones. Electronic is another one. Hmm. Really, the, the thing about high-res audio is that it allows the full dynamic range, really, of recordings to shine through and music that has a lot of dynamic range. In other words, it's not compressed, you know, in the studio to sound like, I mean, uh, music that has dynamics and has mm -hmm. individual instruments uh, and you know, silence in the recording. These things are where, where high res really makes a huge difference. Uh, if it's, you know, a, a super crunched, um, uh, you know, recording that started from, you know, compressed sources and MP3 samples and, and uh, uh, does not have that much space or, or, you know, quiet and loud sections, you don't really hear as much of a difference. So the 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 really early adopters of high res were classical fans, uh, because that's where you know if you're listening to Tchaikovsky's eighteen twelve overture, the difference between the loud parts and the quiet parts is so massive, it's it really gets lost in uh, in uh, you know an MP three format. Mm. But jazz mm -hmm. is the same, and then there's classic rock. I mean, you listen to these these you know incredible 
you know, Neil Young albums from the seventies or, you know, Led Zeppelin things that, that, you know, were well recorded for the time, uh, uh, you know, classic yes albums. So we have a lot of classic rock listeners, jazz, classical, since we opened in the U S which is, you know, a, a year and a half ago, we found that there is a lot of enthusiasm for country and Americana. Hmm. You know, again, I think it's an older audience. It's it's people that, you know, generally if they've got our service, they're wanting to listen through, you know, a home stereo system or a nice home theater. Um, so it's, it's not kids. I mean, we have young people on the service and I'd like to get more, but the awareness of audio quality is definitely more prevalent, you know, in, I don't want to say you're old, Dimitri, but our generation, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, p- people who have actually heard a CD and know right. what, what music can sound like through, you know, an old school hi-fi system versus, you know, an MP3 through MP3 through the earbuds that come with the right. phone, come with the phone. Right. So, so it's an older audience and, and these genres that, you know, they're more deep dive, you know, people who are into jazz and classical can be really into jazz and classical and, and really, you know, have a, have a deep, deep interest in the music and, and the musicians and the recordings and what was recorded when, and who was the engineer and, you know, Rudy Van Gelder and, and Tom Dowd and all these incredible, uh, uh, you know, recording engineers who made recordings in the 60s and 70s before digital. Uh, So much of that stuff has been transferred to high res digital, you know, in recent years by more, you know, incredible engineers and and, uh, uh, mastering engineers that really know what they're doing with digital. So it's just so, so much music. I mean, and we've got Drake and Ariana Grande and all of the top 40 in hip hop. I mean, everything that comes out on a major label we have in CD quality or better, but, mm-hmm. you know, for the most part, you, you know, uh, kids can't be bothered. My daughter can't be bothered with audio quality. Mm-hmm. You know, she, she shares, you know, ear, ear pods with her friend. They're each listening to one, one channel of stereo. And I'm like twitching when I see her doing that, but you know what? I don't care. Yeah. As long <laughs> as she's enjo- enjoying the music and, and has a friend to share it with, I'm happy. Right. So there's this conversation that streaming may represent a baseline of revenue. And so you sort of, Koba's inherently, like in your DNA, tells this story that there'll be continue, there'll continue to be more and more value extracted from music, but paid in music with additional revenue streams as well. Um, I'm curious to know, I mean, you've kind of described that, right? There's, there's the streaming and then there's the downloads and there's the higher, higher res accounts and higher res downloads as well, which add on those, those layers. Um, is there anything else that that's in the Cobuzz view related to those layered revenue streams or have we covered it? Cause I'll ask you about some other stuff too. I mean, in what we're doing today that, that covers it and it keeps us pretty busy. Mm-hmm. We're always brainstorming about other ways to, to drive revenue. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, and the key thing for us is to try and innovate. You know, we, we came into the market in the U S very late. And it's incumbent on us to come up with some ideas and some things that other people haven't done. So 
that's what we spend our time doing and mm-hmm. and anything that we can do that's going to create more value for you know insane music fans mm-hmm. is is going to going to you know drive drive revenue for the creators right. that's that's yeah. built yeah. into the model so so as a lifer in the music industry i'm curious to ask you what what other companies do you see that are adding more value and helping artists and labels and publishers generate more revenue and bring more value to fans as the marketplace matures and evolves? Well, I mean, it's funny that when I was thinking about this and I don't want to say that you prepared me for the podcast by giving me the questions in advance, but I guess <laughs> I will, I will say that I was given some, uh, some heads up. Uh, the the first company that came to mind is not that surprising. It's Bandcamp. Right. And you talk about guys who kind of came from a modest aspiration of what they were going to do originally, and have kind but have kind of stuck to it um, and evolved, you know, ever so slightly to better serve, you know, the people who are trying to trying to sell independent music. Um, which is, you know, it's admirable, but they've turned, you know, but at the same time, they've turned it into a serious, serious business that's mm-hmm. driven, you know, serious revenue for artists and independent labels, you know, by radical transparency, super simple, um, and, and just sticking to their guns and, 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 you know, when they first came out, uh, there were several companies that were doing, you know, versions of the same kind of thing. And it was kind of like, eh, this is just something that, you know, DIY hobbyist musicians are going to gonna do. And, and who knows what's going to happen with any of this. And it was true in a case of a lot of the, uh, you know, early, early players in the, you know, kind of DIY music, online sales, whatever you know, universe web 2.0 or whatever it was, but Bandcamp has survived and keeps, you know, just killing it, killing it. Yeah, uh, uh, It's funny. The way you describe it almost reminds me of how SoundCloud came out of the gate, but they, they didn't, they didn't go down the same path and didn't have the same kind of revenue machine. No, no. I mean, so someone at SoundCloud is making money. I don't know if it's the artists, but the uh, you know they're a huge com- company now as well. But Bandcamp seems to have really, you know, done it in the the true spirit of of independent music, which I that's that's what I can respect. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of other tools and other other services and and platforms that are being introduced all the time, and and there's never been more. Um, more ways that, you know, an independent artist can, can manage and, and build their own career through, through, you know, software and and services and networks that exist today. Uh, But the one thing that I'm kind of pleased about and excited about is, I guess, a quasi governmental entity which is the mechanical licensing collective the mlc mm-hmm. that is set to launch at the beginning of the year to service uh, uh um the mechanical royalty piece of of the music modernization act mm-hmm. so you know this is how songwriters and publishers are going to get paid from streaming 
uh, based on the new laws. And it's something that's never existed before. It's been, you know, a lot of issues, a lot of lawsuits, a lot of opaque, opaque black boxes and so forth. But uh, I've been part of the discussions and the, the, you know, the DSP piece of, of how this mechanical licensing collective is going to operate. I mean, in their remit is to create a portal. I mean, it's, it's supposed, supposed to be launching, you know, in, in uh, January a portal where any songwriter can go in and identify their works and claim, claim their works and boom, be getting paid from streaming. Uh, so that's, that's pretty revolutionary. Uh, it's never, you know, the, the U S laws on all of this and, and the, the execution has been totally opaque, you know, to all, but the most sophisticated students of, of copyright law. And it's going to be alarmingly simple. So I think that's that's you know more more than any you know third party tool or or you know company I would say that this if, you know government you know service under the U.S. Copyright Office is really gonna gonna change change the game for for songwriters. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, great. So um, I'm curious if you have any. We, we talk about this quite a bit on the podcast of uh, over the last six months. How's the pandemic affecting Cobuzz right now? Well, you know, we're super lucky that it's a digital business mm-hmm. that is a you know, and our our product is something that fills up people's time in a pleasing way. Mm-hmm. So the fact that there are a lot of people at home. Uh, you know, nothing about the pan- pandemic, thankfully, again, gratefully, has impacted us negatively. Mm-hmm. Uh, our streaming service and our download store have been growing around the world and growing really fast in the U.S. Um, but who knows, if there was no pandemic, maybe it would be growing even faster. So, Or maybe slower, who knows? <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's hard, hard for me to tell if someone signed up because they have you know tons of extra money and they're looking for more streaming services or it's some guy who loves music and just lost his job and, and is going to spend his last this is sounding too bleak his last 15 dollars <laughs> on a month of, of high-res streaming uh or, or it's his therapy it's cheaper than a therapist right? right right well that's that's what i'm hoping that's what i'm hoping a lot of these subscriptions are but in that in that way it's been you know, unfortunate in so many ways, but for our day-to-day business, it hasn't been a negative. And in some ways, it's there's been some positives as we started doing live, uh, you know, web webcasts and interviews and creating online content that we had talked about before, but would not have been incentivized to do. Uh, if we weren't in this situation, you know, mm-hmm. just doing doing more with um, with the tools available to us to reach an audience that, mm-hmm. you know, when when we were going to hi-fi shows and music conferences and on the road all the time, uh, you know, we didn't really think about some of these other channels. And, and now we're doing some really, really great stuff with Facebook Live and, uh, you know, like everybody else. Uh, taking making uh, lemonade out of the lemons that we have yeah but uh, it's, it's been, I, been uh, good and productive for us in that way 
Yeah, I didn't know you guys were doing some some uh, live stuff with on on the web and stuff. I'm curious if you just go out ten thousand feet as a as a music industry veteran. What do you think about the potential for live streaming over the long haul? Well, it's enormous. If you would ask me about the potential for live stream concerts before the pandemic, I would have said they tried it. It didn't doesn't work. Nobody, yeah, exactly. no, nobody really wants that. So it's it's clear that people do want it and people will need it. And we don't know what's happening with the live music market. So it's the Wild West right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess the the you know, the the killer app will be so, something with virtual reality. That's a real 360 virtual live stream. You're at the concert, mm-hmm. um, I guess. Uh, right to me, that would be the the next level shit that that doesn't quite exist yet. That would seem to tick all the boxes for what an experience like that should be. But you know, there's the audio piece of it too, and I've been looking into high res audio live streaming, which I don't think anybody is really doing hmm. um, to do a, a a great live concert with audio and the kind of quality that we stream it on demand, high res, twenty four bit. So I'm interested in that. You know, a lot of streaming companies, audio companies are making moves into different uh, relationships and tie-ups with live concerts. And I'd love to do that too, but it's got to be something that's right right for Cobas and right for the Cobas audience. So, Yeah, makes sense. There's, uh, that, said, yeah, I, that said, I haven't watched a single live stream concert myself at this point. I... <laughs> I don't really have interest, but that's because I'm still, I don't have time to listen to all of the studio recordings that I'd like to listen to, let alone tune in for a live stream. So right. yeah. maybe, maybe I'm in the minority, but I do think it's, it's a huge opportunity that the, you know, a lot of smart people are, are making moves and, and working on new ideas. And yeah, let me ask you about one more timely thing. And then uh, I'm curious to ask you about the conference, the Music Tectonics Conference. Something that's emerging right now that I'm curious about is is what you think about Apple Music and Amazon Prime offering bundled services. Are, are consumers going to buy into that? Um, yeah, what do you think of that from your perspective? I think so. At least in the United States, I think consumers are super price sensitive and always looking for a bargain, always looking to save a buck if there's a way to save a buck. And those companies have really great bundles of services. I mean, I I hate Amazon, and I've got three or four Amazon services. Imagine someone who didn't care or who liked Amazon. Um, You know, same with Apple. I mean, I don't really hate these companies, and I've got a lot of friends who work at these companies, but... Uh, from a customer, um, you know, if you, if, and if you lock somebody in on three different services as a bundle, it makes it that much harder for them to unbundle and, and cancel. So I think it's a good strategy for them and it is pretty sure to work in my mind. Yeah. And the challenge for Cobas becomes who can we bundle with? Uh, you know, it would be like Lamborghini or, you know, we'll, but we'll bundle with, uh, uh, bundle with Rolex, you know, you buy a new Rolex that comes with a year of, of Cobas. That sounds good. Yeah. I'm working on it. I'm I'm, I'm working (laughs) on 
working on it, but, but it's, it's a, um, you know, actually, uh, I'm just, I'm, you just got me thinking we should bundle with the criterion collection. There you go. Yeah. That, that would be the right kind of tie up for, for uh, a high res music service. Cool. Well, good. Maybe we'll inspire you to, to, to go out and get some of those deals done. Um, uh, so, so we've got music tectonics coming up shortly. What will you be looking for at the conference this year? I should actually, before I ask that question, I should remind folks, some of you who are there know that Cobas was there giving you that high res audio experience in the exhibit hall with a chair massage available at the same time. So, you know, this, this thinking around like what, you know, what is the end experience? What is the, the lifestyle that goes with this? What are the, you know, what's the luxury high end experience? That was, that was pretty cool. People appreciate that. But what, what are you looking for at the conference this year? Well, I'm going to miss the masseuse because as the, <laughs> as the sponsor of the booth at the end of each day, I was able to, get my complimentary chair massage. <laughs> in, in fact, what I may do this year is when I'm hanging out in our virtual booth, go get a massage and just <laughs> have my phone and be getting a massage while I'm hanging out in the virtual booth. Might make uh, for some interesting business meetings there. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, um, it's all about creativity. Right. <laughs> I mean, I, I think this year it's going to be a chance to really touch base with folks who we met last year or who have met along the way. There have not been a lot of opportunities to check in and let people know where we are mm -hmm. as a company and as a service. And, you know, every week there's some new feature or development that is worth noting, but it's, it's something that really one-on-one -on -one, and that even though the conference is virtual, we're going to have an opportunity to see a lot of people face to face. Um, and also, you know, this year, because I won't be having a man, a booth the whole time, I, I will actually be able to listen to some of the other panels and take part in some of the other sessions, yeah. uh, just because of the nature of the event. You know, I can have have multiple windows open and I can't be in two places at once. I mean, this is the thing, like uh, there are some advantages emerging from the restrictions of, of social distancing and, and you know, people wanting to be safe and, and so forth this year. And you're right. I mean, the technology we're using for the conference will allow anyone to initiate a, a one to one video chat. Um, you just literally look them up send them a quick message with a link. It's almost like an instantaneous Zoom link. It's not Zoom. And then if they accept, you guys are immediately having a video chat. So if, you, you know, if you're in a, a session that's not super exciting for you at that moment, and then you say, oh, wait, there's so-and-so. Let me see if they're available. Then you can go chat. And the other thing that uh, I haven't told you about, Dan, is I, I believe the technology now has for the exhibitors the ability to give you a notification when somebody walks into your booth. So you literally could be in a session and be like, oh, somebody just walked to my booth. Let me go see who it is. Oh, wow. I'm going to have this conversation. And so you can, you know, versus running up and down, uh, you know, escalators or across town at South by Southwest or another large event you literally can hyperspace there. So it'll feel a little bit like a virtual reality event in that sense, because you're going to connect with people so well. So I'm glad you're looking at those uh, advantages of the conference. You want to meet with like distribution partners, record labels, potential technical partners, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Really anybody interested in knowing more about high res audio and knowing more about our service, uh, mm -hmm. 
for sure folks that have got music that is being distributed or could be distributed to us, whether they're labels, distributors, artists, um, but really anybody, anybody, yeah. we are, I mean, my philosophy is, is, is take every meeting, return every yeah. call. And so nice. that, that extends to the, the virtual space, especially since you carefully vet all of your attendees and, yes. uh, and we fil- filter out the time wasters. No, I mean, I just think that the, uh, the quality of attendees last year, I mean, I'm working on a couple of deals right now with, with folks that we met last year. So it's oh, that's great to hear. You also have to be patient. Some things don't happen overnight. True. And, you know, I, I, I've written up some things about getting the most out of conferences and I have a three year rule. Like you, you go to a conference three times in a row and that third year, everybody knows you, you know, everybody, or you have the bandwidth to meet new folks because you kind of already know the lay of the land. Um, and, uh, and we, we are working really hard to orient this as a B2B conference. So, so there isn't a lot of, um, as you call them time wasters, which, you know, everyone has a place in the ecosystem, but we're not, you know, doing discounts for, for students and, and, uh, so forth. But we, we definitely want startups there and we definitely want existing professionals in the industry. It's kind of that cool zone between those two categories and it ranges from labels and distributors and publishers to music streaming services, to music tech startups, investors, managers, you know, we have a little bit more about live music this year, which is kind of ironic in the pandemic, but we have live streaming and mixed reality and video gaming and also physical events. There'll be representatives from that part of the world too, which is important to cross pollinate and also hackers too. So people who are actually developing new stuff. So yeah, it's so cool that you've been such a supporter from the beginning, Dan. Um, any final shout outs as we wipe, uh, wrap up here? Well, I would be remiss if I didn't send out uh, greetings to my Cobas USA team. Whoop, whoop. It's a small group. I'm not going to name name them all. I'm going to respect their privacy. <laughs> but uh, it is incredible to me that we have a streaming service that actually runs and a download store that actually functions that is as sort of fresh and surprising in terms of the editorial choices and the music that we feature, the content, the articles, everything about it to me is really just as, as I had hoped that it would be. And, you know, I do a lot of things, but we've got this really, really dedicated team and it's a half a dozen people. It's not 50 people. Um, And we get it done. And every week I just feel really proud of the fact that the service respects the artists and respects the creators, but also respects the listener. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just beautiful to be in a, in a environment where we don't have to dumb anything down. We don't have to dumb down the audio quality. We don't have to dumb down the the context and the recommendations. And as a hardcore music fan, which is what I am at, at my, Core. I guess I said hard. I can't be a hardcore at the core. At your core. Hey, your core is hardcore, man. New Jersey hardcore, 1982. <laughs> uh, that is my, my, my core. But, uh, you know, just it's, it's, it's a great feeling to be part of, part of a small dedicated that's awesome. team that's, that's really doing it the way, way we, we, we want to. So, 
that's my final shout out. Yeah, no, that's great, man. It's a shout out to gratitude, which is awesome. It's like the one thing you can hang on to in this in 2020 is is having some gratitude for for what you do have, and it's nice for you to to share the uh, the spotlight with your with your team. Dan, thanks so much for coming back on the podcast, and I'm really excited to have you as part of Music Tectonics the conference. Um, and uh, we'll see you there. Can't wait, can't wait. We're really excited about this year. Awesome. Thank you. And thank you for listening to the Music Tectonics podcast. Please hit subscribe. Go to musictectonics.com. Sign up for our newsletter or join the app. We have a Music Tectonics community app where innovators can get together, meet each other, ask questions. We're doing Ask Me Anything AMAs there. Uh, We've done some live streams there. It's a great little community. It's in iOS or Google Play. You can also get it on the web and sign up for our newsletter so you can find out about what's coming up with announcements on the conference. Again, it takes place October. 27th and 28th, 2020 online. Lots of great opportunities to network and meet there. We'll be back with another episode next week. Thanks. You're listening to Music Tectonics.